0: Welcome to the Great Unlearn. Join me, your host, Cal, as we dive deep into understanding and undoing the programming within us. Let's find your inner truth for a life with newfound purpose and freedom. Get ready to question it all in The Great Unlearned. Preston is a personal freedom coach and motivational messenger whose mission is to inspire, empower, and educate those all over the world to the truth that is love is all there is. He offers his message to us through a multitude of channels, such as writing, speaking engagements, self-developed programs and workshops, and also social media. You may already know him through his Instagram and YouTube channels, at Preston Smiles. That's how I got in touch with him. I'll get into that a little bit later. Now, through all of these mediums, what's his message? In a word, it's love, okay? It's all in service of love, states Preston. It's the answer to everything. And it's so obvious that some of us miss it. Hand up here, no doubt. And so he goes on to say, so I'm a messenger to remind us all that when we amplify our love, we automatically amplify our lives. And we'll get deep into that later in this conversation. Now, despite his childhood challenges with dyslexia, he is a best-selling author of Love Louder, 33 Ways to Amplify Your Life and Now or Never Your Epic Life in Five Steps, which he wrote with his lovely and amazing and force of nature herself, Alexi Panos. Now, uh, Preston offers five unique programs. I'm sure there's more, but this is what I found on his website, filled with conscious content to encourage empowerment and launch you into amplifying your life. As well as an incredible program called Man Cave, which I want to get into later in this episode because that's something that's really, uh, I feel really called to. Now listen, someone, uh, a friend of mine, as, who I've been working with, kind of getting my kind of podcast and brand and whatever you want to call it together, say, hey, you know, check out this guy on Instagram. He's got like a really cool vibe. He's about love and he's really posts a lot of funny stuff. And so I started to follow you. And I thought his stuff was awesome. Like, but that's it's not exactly me. But there's something in the way that you share your message that I felt deeply connected to. And then as, um, as things turned chaotic, uh, even more so than with the virus, but when George Floyd was murdered, Preston was one of the, the men and women that I looked to for guidance. And um, he spoke with compassion he was a very grounded force um during that. And if if you subscribe to my newsletter, you know that Preston was one of the men and women that I singled out and said, if you want to know more about what's going on, follow this guy. There's a love and compassion that it just it just shines through in, in I <laughs> everything you put out, I just sat with and I felt your pain. I felt your joy. I, I felt you. And I, I think that's what drew me to you. And then our, our mutual friend, Brandon Hawk, was over my house, told me that you and your family were moving here. I'm like, dude, that guy's amazing. He's like, do you want to have him on your podcast? I'm like, seriously, dude? Please? Yes. And so then he connected us. And here you are today, brother. So welcome, finally, to The Great Unlearn
1: let's go Cal let's get it homie I love it I'm excited thank you for having me beautiful introduction man I I never get to hear those and uh, yours is one of the most unique I've ever and I've done probably 60 to 100 podcasts that was probably one of the best introductions I've had Um, so thank you I received that I appreciate that I'm grateful for your heart and I'm grateful for your stand in the world and your willingness to move mountains and make a way out of no way to have this podcast exist so that it may uplift and inspire and educate uh, the hundreds of thousands of people who will come across it and the people they will touch. So from my heart to yours, brother, thank you. And uh, let's get it.
0: Awesome. (laughs) Well, thank you for that. And and it's what's interesting, Preston, is that I used to read the intros as the podcast would come out and I honestly I would kind of forget what we talked about and then I would listen to it and I just wouldn't be it's like starting cold. and like, it doesn't feel right. And so why and I saw somebody else had done this. Like, why don't I just read the intro? We'll get through all that good backstory and then we can get to the real good stuff. We can we can kind of get through all the fluff. And so it was really created as a as a crutch for me because I was just I would spend two, two and a half hours sometimes trying to record a three or four minute video. So anyway, so without further, and I was also told, just, just ask a few questions and get out of the way because this man knows what he's doing. So I'm, I'm excited to welcome you onto the show. But also, why don't we just start with your pull to Austin? Because when I heard that, Like, that's amazing. There's more, there's more people that are just descending upon Austin. And I'm just feeling everybody constellating around this consciousness. And I don't, that sounds a little woo woo, but like just being in community and supporting Mm -hmm. one another, and especially you as a man, as a black man who comes in with just a deep heart and all the work you've been doing, which I will definitely get into later on. But what drew you and your family here? Oh man,
1: um, quite a few things. Um, I know you said uh, consciousness, and you took it back and said that sounds woo woo. But I don't think there's anything wrong with anything sounding woo woo. You know, we've like weaponized that word. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it is the consciousness. It is the the paradigm of Austin. It is the energetics of Austin, and the tax breaks, and uh, <laughs> an <opportunity. laughs> truth. It's yes, right there. there this go. is what we're getting today, truth, folks. Yes, and the opportunity to switch it up, man. I've, my wife and I both have traveled all over the world. We, were, we had our anniversary, our four-year anniversary of marriage, seven years together, and uh, just a couple of days ago. And we were on the beach and we were uh, eating $300 sushi um, and, and looking through videos and like, yo, we've been everywhere we were asking each other, like, what, what were some of the greatest moments? And she was like, oh, remember Morocco in the desert when we were on those camels and then we rode the sand dunes? And I'm like, oh my God, yes. And then she's like, what about you? And I'm like, remember Rottnest Island in in Australia when we you know, jumped into that cold water? She's like, oh my God, and it, it just kept going. And so what I'm saying to you is both of us are natural explorers and adventurers and Austin, um, as much as I used to hate on the South, I lived in Louisiana for eight years. Oh, no,
0: whereabouts in Louisiana? Baton Rouge.: um, My wife is from Baton Rouge.: mm-hmm. Yes. yes. So, I know, so what you, I know what you speak of. Yep, I've been back there. Uh,
1: and so like the first time I got called, a nigger and a monkey like straight up to my face was in Baton Rouge. and a lot, not just like a couple times. Um, and every time an LSU football game or anything happened, there was a bunch of white dudes who were drunk everybody gets super like uh, macho and, and they wanna single out the one black dude walking with a bunch of other, you know, yeah. people who happen to be Caucasian. So not to side note that, but I had had deep resistance towards the South in general and all my friends, I had never, I've never been to South by Southwest. I'd never been to Austin up until six months ago and- No shit? Every, nope, I never been, yep. so awesome. Everybody I knew, first of all, was so many people moving and, or living there, living there right now. And everybody I knew said, yo, that Austin is not like the South. So if you're trying to connect this to Louisiana and, you know, the deep uncomfortability of being in a place where you feel like people don't want you there, it's not the same. And so I said, all right, let's go see. And it was between, and I was never gonna do this, Puerto Rico, Austin, or moving to Byron Bay, Australia. And we went to Puerto Rico. I was like, nope, Um, Byron Bay is amazing, but it's just, it's literally just all white people. And I have to have some kind of diversity uh, just because I like (laughs) diversity. Um, And then we got off the plane in Austin and it was an instant yes. And I just energetically, I was like, oh, I feel this. There's something funky, something artistic, something forward-thinking, something progressive. Um, everybody who I know who lives here is like really good humans and tapped in. And so that's where
0: it came from. I love it. And that that's, you know, we kind of, we came here seven years ago and it was, I was a trader in Chicago for almost 20 years. And so in 2013, I got out of the business and uh, one of my mentors said, in order for you to really shed that skin as Cal, the ex-trader you need to move and and listen i wasn't beholden to chicago i was done with the weather i wanted some vitamin d and um, we chose austin without knowing anybody here and not understanding maybe what you what you know but there was a pull here we were here we we're like we belong here everybody actually belongs here and that's mm-hmm. the inclusiveness in the you know they, they obviously the weirdness but it's the the beautiful the way they revere the weirdness here is um, we've we've really started and it's helped us let go of all this, these old beliefs and the ways that we think we have to show up um, which has been really, yeah, really freeing for us. So I'm, I'm glad, like so stoked for us to actually be together in the same space. I mean, aside from you, I've had three other brothers that are moving here, either have moved here or moving here within the next month. And then Brandon may be the fourth. It's like crazy.
1: Yeah, we're going to have a a solid crew um, and I'm pretty pumped about it.
0: Dude, amazing. Now, listen, when we got on before I pressed record, I said, hey, man, so what's, you know, how's everything been going? said, there's been a crazy 24 hours. I said, okay, Mm -hmm. rather than you tell me right now, like, let's just share with everyone. Like, why has it been crazy? What's been going on with you? Well, besides being uh, a
1: father of three under three. Uh, f- 4 month old twins, a boy and a girl, who last night decided they weren't going to sleep anymore. Um, and what are their names? Old, uh, Zai and Zahara. Zai and Zahara with a Z. And a two-year-old, Kingston, who has just been bonkers. He's in that stage where everything is his and he wants to test and just say no. And like, if you say, don't grab that, he grabs it and then knocks it off. Like, that stage. Yes. Uh, outside of, yes. Outside of all of that and being married <laughs> and having three businesses Woo. and having like. Bring you know, it on. Yeah. 18 people working on, in our team, basically full time right now. Outside of all of that, I went on a, uh, a live with um, a young lady by the name of Lily Reinhardt. I had never heard of her, but apparently she has 24 million uh, followers on Instagram, and she's some big actress
0: in Hollywood. And so uh, I have I almost like, 3,000. So yes. between the two of us, we're almost at 25 million.
1: Yes, not even close. <laughs> so I get invited onto her live, um, and it's a beautiful, amazing conversation. And in there, I said something that triggered quite a few people.
0: Mm, uh, nice.
1: And I'm going to repeat it, and I want to, I want to caveat it by saying that we have these filters, right? Um, I think some, some of your listeners may know, we have something in our brain called a reticular activating system, which essentially just filters things in and out. Um, and there's so many things happening all the time that the, the brain is, uh, the mind is deleting, distorting and generalizing. And so it cherry picks what it wants Um, And for people who are addicted to drama, addicted to being offended, addicted to repeating the pattern that they experienced as children, they will always find something to be offended by.
0: I'm glad. Thank you for articulating that because um, that's really in a really important part of our being that we we it is i don't think it's um i think for most of us it's it's uncom- we're not even aware of it, mm-hmm. but that makes complete sense, and so I'm glad you kind of landed us there to give us some uh context. yeah some context, thanks brother
1: yeah, so uh I'm on this young lady's live, and there's you know eleven thousand people on their live <laughs> at the time Shit. and um We're talking and she says something about, you know, Preston, I just love your message about love, X, Y, and Z. And we go on and on and we're talking about something. And I say that everybody does everything from the lens of love. I said, love is subjective because she said something and I said, well, it's relative and subjective. There's 7.7 billion different ideas about what love is. And Mm -hmm. she, she said, well, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, Hitler believed what he did was from love. Yes. The people who enslaved, brutalized, and psychologically murdered my ancestors believed they were doing it out of love. No big deal. Yeah. This is, this is still true for me. I, I won't take this back. Because nope. everybody has, Hitler believed that he was, you know, taking care of the Germans by ethnically cleansing. Exactly. Right? Which for me as a person in my personality, terrible. I would beat Hitler's ass, right? Yeah,
0: right, right. You weren't saying that you wouldn't. But yes. okay, yeah. But
1: for these particular people, they skipped over the slave, slave owner, brutalizing all that. All they heard was Hitler did it for love.
2: Oh and my so God.
1: What they've done is they did the mob mentality thing where they just flood my page. And now you're talking about, I think this video has 374,000 views on it now. And this is in 24 hours um, because she saved it. For me, I'm just noticing it and being with its feedback, you know. Um, And anybody who's doing anything, uh, I'm gonna choose my words carefully from the space of pure authenticity and not pre-thinking and trying to get it right is going to ruffle feathers. And one of the things I pride myself in, and this is why some people resonate with my message, they resonate with my channel, they resonate with the things that I put out in the space, is I'm not scared of anybody, man. I'm gonna speak my truth every single time, even if my truth is contradictory to what I said two years ago. Because I'm always learning, growing, and changing.
0: Thank you. I don't, I don't want that to get glossed over. That's something that I'm, a, a, I mean, it's, it's in my Instagram bio. It's like I reserve the right to change my mind and I think it's so important. Like, that's it. Like, new information comes in. I'm a new person every day. I yes. can change. Yes. So thank you for that.
1: 100%, bro. So that, that's that been happening and I'm just looking at it and laughing at it and noticing it because one of the things that I teach is there's only two games. Only two games happening in the world at any given moment. The outside-in game or the inside-out game. The outside-in game says likes, followers, comments, biceps, boobs, cars, houses, you name it. Says I'm good enough, I'm worthy enough. Mm. If you like me, I have a good day. Mm. If you compliment me, my day is good, my life is good. If I am validated by popularity or you know my wife or girlfriend saying this or whatever the case may be all of that is still the outside end game and all of that owns me if i need it to feel good enough so it is my my god in that moment so so, exhausting
0: so exhausting
1: super so the game for me is bringing conscious awareness right because awareness proceeds choice and we can't intervene in a world we truly cannot see. And each and every one of us is a world. So when I, if I pull far enough back, I see the fundamental order of everything, chaos theory. And I will also be able to see with the eye behind the eye what's really going on, which is God, isness.
0: Yeah, not the story that we tell ourselves. That's right here, and that has a lot of uh, subjectivity to it.
1: It's it's a loop. It's recycling from the day before and the day before and the day before.
0: So tell me this. Um, how how did uh, the host handle it? Did she kind of receive it as you intended?
1: Yeah, she heard it the same way you did.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, it... it, it yeah, and it's right. There's no making I'm trying to I'm trying to make sense of it and that's that would be a mistake. There's no making sense of it. You actually made perfect sense of it when you talked about what happens in the brain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that's uh, uh, and so you just have to let them and you have to love those people through that, which thankfully you have a, uh, an enormous well of that love that you can share with them, but I'm sure it's being challenged right now.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting, man. It's like anything we put out into the space uh, we often get tested on. Um, it's, it's why life is interesting, you know? Um, and so, you know, I say a lot and this was my opportunity to live what I say. And, and I've had the good fortune of being with people when they were dying, literally last breath. I've had the, the pleasure, even though it didn't feel like it at the time and I was you know deeply traumatized in some ways, I've had the pleasure of watching somebody take their last breath and recognizing that, mm, this whole life thing is just so precious, so precious. And it, it could be here and gone in a second. And while I don't believe that there is an opposite to life, I don't, I don't think there's a, life always is life. It, it, it maybe doesn't continue in these skin suits that we've rented for 80, 90, 100 years. Um, but to see someone gasping with blood gushing out of the back of their head for air, for breath, for life reminds me that all the other stuff that we get so caught up in trying to control and hold and, and, and uh, attached to is actually... Bro, it's it means nothing in the scheme of things.
0: Nothing. And I love you. I love you. Brought that up, and it's. uh, I'm gonna guess for a lot of people, the first thing that comes to mind because it's still my old programming is when to watch someone die. We're not taught that that's beautiful. We put that in the other room. We don't talk about death. We are afraid of it, and in by in by doing that by having that energy around it. We deny people that true beauty of you're passing on and right. We don't want to talk about it. No, you're going to beat this cancer. I have a dear friend of mine who has stage four stomach cancer and I don't know obviously what's going to happen, but I was, I was sending him a text and I started to type you know, this is just not your time. And I erased it. I said, who am I to say that? And I'm denying him the truth of what's happening. I don't know. It's not my place. I just need to hold him in whatever way I can. But we're not taught that. And that's the stuff that I want to teach. And I know that's what you're teaching is Mm -hmm. we need to turn into these things that have put been put in the back room mm-hmm. of this culture and bring it out. And, and when someone is dying, no matter what way they're dying, like, can we honor them and their life and whatever may come next for them, whatever you believe,
1: you know, yep. so that's beautiful. I'm powerful, glad. powerful men. Yeah. Um, sex, money, parents, death. These are the four areas that people do their best to avoid or control. Um, and uh, the work that I do, This is why I call myself a personal freedom coach, because there's nothing more important than my own sovereignty and my own personal freedom. Everything is added from that space, right? Spirit, God, Buddha, Krishna, Jesus, Allah can only do for us what it can do through us. So I must become a channel of receptivity for The one power that exists on this planet, the same power that Gandhi used is the same power that Hitler used. The same power that uh, Jesus used is the same power that Cal is using right now. And everybody else listening to this podcast, there's only one power. There's not two. There's only one power. Some people use that power in a way that is destructive and not helpful to themselves mainly. And some others because of a virus of the mind called separation, this illusion that we are separate, have played these interesting whack games where they're trying to position themselves to live forever. And it is in so many ways, so empty, right? We talk about white supremacy. There's nothing supreme about some of the ways in which people are are operating. Nothing. Um, what I, what I, what's true for me is that God only says yes. It, there is no no button in the universe. And if some of the children, the offspring, the breath, the manifestation of God, the expression of God wants to say, niggers are this and X, Y, and Z and create systems where they can control and manipulate and do whatever God says, and so it is, so be it. So uh, our opportunity in this beautiful lifetime, like, oh my God, between COVID and actually finally to a degree looking at systematic racism and the ways in which we have whitewashed the entire planet, not just the US, Mm -hmm. like everywhere you go, Asians try to, they wear gloves and umbrellas in the sun because the lighter you are, the better you are. In India, they do the same thing. They hate black people there or darker skinned people because of the caste system. Everywhere you go, there is an idea that the lighter you are, the whiter you are, the better you are. And that is to me, finally being looked at and given an opportunity to uh, go back to the nothingness from which it came. And um, Jesus, Jesus said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Mm. And uh, also in that same Bible, which I do not believe is law, but a beautiful, beautiful book to reference, uh, he said, "What you do to the least of my brothers, you also do to me." And so many Christians out there have turned their back because they believe that's not me. My kids are benefiting. My kids are fine. Well, guess what? That very Bible that you say is law says that what you do to the other kids, you're also doing to yours. So there's a lot to atone for and and reckon with in this, this lifetime.
0: I love that, and and. You know, I think you and I land around the same place when it comes to spirituality. I'm not called to any kind of religious construct, and I think it's for some of the very reasons you just are, you know, articulate. Like, there's a lot of hypocrisy, and I think for so long, I didn't understand the teachings of Jesus because I was met with people who didn't exemplify it, and as I've gotten older and I've let my guard down, and I've actually been curious, like, what what is the deal, and I've I read a a a good friend of mine Ted Decker has written a few books called The 49th Mystic and Return of the Mystic mm-hmm. and um he he uses the teachings of Christ and it for me it made sense and it's it's like the things you're talking about like the what you do to the least of us is what you do to me and mm-hmm. um I think if we can just start to understand that, you know whatever your idea of heaven is and if you get you know, if you just, it's so, it's like, it's so silly. It's so silly that this is a chosen group and everybody, it's like, come on, does it, does that really? But then at the same time, it's my work to have compassion and love for them and to understand Mm -hmm. that I don't know it all either. And I can only stay true to who I am. Yeah. Now with what's going on nowadays Um, And as you said, like, it's finally, and I I totally agree, it's finally been brought out into the open. And I think because we had nothing else to do with our lives, everything had stopped. And I don't think I'm coming up with anything original here. So, you know, don't at me with that. Like, clearly, we had more than enough time on our hands. But what a gift. What a gift. Mm -hmm. And again, don't get this wrong, people. It's both. It's a gift, and there's. It's been really painful for a lot of people. But as you said, God says yes to all of it. And what happened to George Floyd was horrible. But in in the the virus, what it's done to a lot of people has been really hard. But those two things together has raised the consciousness and the awareness of everyone. And I think, you know, uh, if speak from my perspective, I think. People like yourself have been, you know, people who are feeling the, um, are the victims of this, this system that's in place, have been saying stuff for a long time. And I think people, white people like myself, are finally waking up to like, oh, wow, it's, whatever. I don't have other things in my life to distract myself from this killing and this, whatever the thing is. And so, and again, I mentioned it. In the intro, um, everybody has their right to, to, to express how they feel about what's going on. And if it's anger, and rage, well, then you express that. God bless you. Like, you, you need to do that because that's your truth. And I know that there are moments when you felt that through this and you've shared that. But what I really appreciated was the invitation for everyone to start to heal. And there was no blame. It was love and compassion, and it—it it really, it like I said, and and our mutual brother Makad Brooks was was really the first one to kind of invite me in here and say, "Dude, you like use your your privilege for positive," and so yeah. I've tried to do that. But I'm curious, like your your life has changed, everyone's life has changed, but what does it look like? I don't want to say on the other side of this, but as things have died down, we knew that was going to happen, and so how are you balancing? that continued activism, I guess, I don't know if there's a better word for it, but that in, in also going in and working with people who need your love and support and your guidance. And so how do you balance all that? Cause it's a lot. And how, what happened in the last 24 hours? I love it. And three kids. Oh yeah. shit.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful time man. and, and it's, a, it's a lot and it's not. Um, and I'm, I remind myself all the time and I want to remind you and everybody else listening or watching to care, but don't carry. Mm. There's a very big distinction and difference between caring and not carrying. And a lot of people are caring and carrying and that load, crazy, right? I think it was TS Eliot said that it's not the load that breaks us down, but the way we carry it. The way we carry it is from compassion. You can be a stand for equal rights on the planet while also having your joy and your heart expanded and your presence in this space. A lot of people, and and I I speak about this often, you know, being married and having three kids, relationships are uh, a beast, man. And my promise to myself and to my wife is to just keep stepping back in the room. And I don't mean just physically, I mean with my heart. Because it's very easy to shut down, especially as a man. We've been taught that big boys don't cry. We've been taught Mm. that to have the right answers and to always be, have it figured out. And when when I don't, or when I'm trying to, and the feedback that I get doesn't match that, it's very easy for men especially to shut down and say, "Ah, I'll never win. And uh, for me, it's about caring, but not caring. It's about being deeply compassionate while also being a stand and being the living embodiment and demonstration of what is possible when one drops into their heart, right? Uh, what we don't wanna be is on the wrong side of history. Because there was a lot of people during Nazi Germany, not to go back to this, who, who said, you know, well, not me, right? Not me. I don't care, right? Or I do care, but I don't really, no, it's not my kids. Right? And you don't wanna look back 20, 30, 40 years from now and have your kids ask you, hey, during the, one of the biggest revolutions of our lifetime, did you show up, mom? Did you show up, dad? Did you, were you one of those people that said, oh, it's all a lie? Or were you one of those people that allowed your heart to be open and, and, and believe, people, you know? When, when the women came out and said, me too. And another woman said, Me too. And another woman said, Me too. I didn't question that. I believed them. When a, when a human on the planet, especially lots of humans who've been saying it for years, say, Hey, this doesn't feel good to be here. I don't go back at them and say, Well, you know, look, look how far you've come. We let you vote now, women. Mm. We can fondle your vaginas every once in a while. We let you vote. Mm. That, that, that's the equivalent of what's being said to black people. It's like, look how far you come. Look, you got Jay-Z, you got Barack Obama. Shut up and dribble. No, we won't shut up and dribble. No, because they wrote nigger on the side of LeBron's house. right? This, I'm a millionaire, bro, and I still walk through my neighborhood and people cross the street pre-COVID. I'm a millionaire and people still get off of the elevator when they see me on it. I literally have people following me around stores, and that's just... That, and I can buy the whole store, but that's just the surface stuff.
0: That's just the shit you notice. Yes. yes. There's something way beyond
1: that, right? So so for instance, what the new comeback for those who try to deny is like, oh, they shouldn't resist arrest, right? They shouldn't talk back to the police. They shouldn't, they shouldn't, they shouldn't. There are thousands of videos of white people, spitting, cursing, resisting, running without being shot, without being punched in the face like that grandmother did by that one cop. And all these cops do is get fired once the video comes out. How about all the other videos where it didn't happen? It happened to me at 12. And that's take police out of this whole thing, redlining, right? drawing the city lines in a neighborhood and then not giving the funds to that. I went to a school where there was no books and then I got, And I went to another school in the other neighborhood where they had absolutely everything. I felt the difference. It's very hard to rise to low expectations. Black men are pulled over 300 times more than white men. If you and I both, right? And Cal, please, if you feel, if you are willing to admit this, if it's true for you. Have you ever had a drink and drove?
0: Oh yeah, plenty.
1: Okay, same. But the likelihood of me being pulled over and profiled versus you getting caught doing the same thing is very different, right? We, very different. So there's a bunch of fine, upstanding, beautiful humans in jail right now for smoking weed mm. while my neighbors who are in their 50s smoke weed. These are rich white people. I live in a you know, pretty well-off neighborhood. I smell it but do they get pulled over do they get profiled do people even believe that they do that kind of stuff of course not because there is a general paradigm that if you are white you are superior you are better you are pure you are love you are x y and z and a perfect example of this and i'm gonna let you take over again is the doll test
0: i was just thinking about it thank you for bringing that up yeah please explain it to everyone
1: The doll test was a test they did in the 1940s and then they did it again in 2013 and 2015 and 2016. And uh, I'll start with the 1940s. They took children from different backgrounds and put them in a room and they sat, they put the kids in front of uh, a couple dolls. One doll was a blue eyed, blonde haired doll that looks sort of like cow, uh, but a girl version of it. Um, And one doll was a darker skinned, dark-haired, dark-eyed doll that looks sort of like me. And they ask these children, all of the children, which doll is the pretty doll? Across the board, they all pick up the doll that looks like cow. They say, which doll is the good doll? Across the board, all the children, no matter who they are, no matter where they're from, no matter how much money they have or don't have, they all pick up the doll that looks like cow. They say, which doll is the ugly doll? Across the board, all kids, pick up the doll that looks like me and so on and so forth. Now, fast forward, 2013, 2015, 2016, do the same test, they get the same results. The question we have to ask ourselves is why? How many ways, and Cal, I'd love to hear from you, from what you can catch. How many ways have we been programmed to believe that you are pure and beautiful and perfect and I am bad, a rapist, a beast, fill in the blank.
0: Yeah, it, it's. I mean, I've, I've spoken about this before on the podcast, but I think really look no further than that amazing documentary 13th on Netflix by Ava DuVernay. And um, if you haven't seen it, when you're done listening to this podcast, go go. Don't don't put it off. It's um. It's eye opening. It's sad, but it's to me it feels like the truth of what happened and all these systems have been put in place, whether it's the war on crime, the war on drugs, um, the Jim Crow laws, like all these things have conspired and then you've heard many prominent people say this system's not broken, it's working exactly how it's supposed to and I know that's hard for a lot of us to understand because we've not been victims of the system. So we're like, oh, everything seems fine and I, I, I hope, my hope is that we're all waking up right now to seeing that the system's not fine, and it 's not about pointing fingers and blaming it's about understanding the roots of it and where it started and what we need to do and I think getting the right politicians in place on some level yeah I know that's a remedy, but f- I, there's so much special special interest that I don't know that the way our system is set up that they're truly going to do the right thing um so I think the system you know and I don't think this is going to happen either it needs to be blown up and start started over, um, but we need to work within what we have. And I think you mentioned it, there's a revolution. So what can, what can we do um, to move that forward? And it actually brings to mind, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Um, it's been said that the Black Lives Matter movement doesn't have a true leader. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know enough about it to, to speak on that. Um, yeah. And I want to know if, if you feel like that's the case. And, and if you see anyone stepping, if that is the case, is anyone stepping up, what would be your hope? Because there's so much momentum with that. There's so much goodness. Like when people support it, donate, whatever, they're feeling like this is mm-hmm. worthy. But I, I don't, love to, again, love to get your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. So I'll, I'll address two things. Number one, that first question I had for you, and I just want to put a few things out there for people to think about. Um, Jesus mm. in the Bible says hair of lamb's wool and skin, the color of brass, but the pictures that we receive in our heads. So if I say Jesus, what instantly snaps oh, in your yeah. head, you
0: know, you know, you know what comes to mind. Yeah.
1: Yeah. is a picture that was commissioned and made to look like, right? So when you steal somebody's history, when you delete distort and change history to make it fit you when um, every and I want you guys to really sit with this how many movies how many commercials how many ads have you seen on tv where the white guy always has the right answer and he has his sidekick every once in a while token black friend who's either super emasculated and gay not that there's anything wrong with that or overly aggressive and not educated This is a very interesting setup over time where one who controls the media, we know as a fact that the media coverage of black men in handcuffs, it far exceeds what it does of white men in the US. But white men create more crimes, just apples for apples. Like how many crimes, how many people? Of course, black people aren't the majority, But what's being seen on TV is a setup for you to believe that I am dangerous.
0: And just so a little context for crime, like I'll put my hand up. I I commit several crimes all the time. It's not like something that's egregious. It's like, am I carrying a substance that would be considered jailworthy? Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Hand up. That is not legal. But... It's, you know, so anyway, don't get caught up in it being something where there's a victim and they're
1: murdering everybody. And that's why. Yeah. So, um, and just caveat, I've done work in the prisons. And, um, one of the things that we we've done is this step forward. If, and uh, oftentimes, you know, there'll be all the volunteers like myself on one side and the prisoners on the other side. And the person on the microphone will say, step forward. If you were put in handcuffs before the age of 14, 80% of the black and Hispanic prisoners will step forward. Then they'll say, take another step. If you were put in handcuffs before the age of 10, let's say 50% of that 80% steps forward. Then they'll say, take one more step. If you were put in handcuffs before the age of eight, still a huge percentage step forward. And and I want to like the preschool to prison pipeline is a real thing. And going back to what Cal just said, we're talking about some of the most petty stuff in the world. They will, and I've seen it, I've heard it with my own eyes. They'll ask the prisoners, how many of you in here are in here because you drank and drove and you got pulled over and That plus the marijuana you had two years earlier put you in prison. And then once you were in prison, you were 13, 14, 17, whatever. And that turned into you having to protect yourself. You got more time and literally a whole bunch of them put their hand up, which to me, I've done all those things, everything they've done. I've done for the most part. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't raped anybody or anything like that. But most of the crimes that these guys are in there for are not these violent crimes, it's just they get pulled over more than cow does. Yep. And assumed guilty. So I just wanna caveat that. Now I think you asked me and remind me of what your question was.
0: Well and the other I was gonna ask about Black Lives Matter, but and also like the way the the socioeconomics work Mm -hmm. out, if I do get pulled over, I am more likely to be able to pay for someone to get me off.
1: Yes. And
0: if I get thrown in jail you know in a you know before the before i'm convicted yeah. i can post bail where largely you know men of color can't and then that becomes a whole nother thing and that's why i'm a big fan of supporting uh like the bail project where we can yes. actually these men aren't incarcerated before they're tried exactly
1: it's huge and then they get this public defender that just wants them to go to jail anyway and it just feeds this whole thing where you have these private prisons that need to be filled up, right? And so it's a business, right? My business, I run a business. I'm my bottom line is I want to help, I'm committed to transforming the world through helping individual people and to making as much money as I humanly can so that I can support other people, right? So if I own a prison, I need people in there if it's private. And how else am I gonna do it other than paying off and making sure, right? I'll I'll make sure that rap music and things like that, because the people who own these labels and the distribution and all of this, they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. There's been plenty of things that have been said um, that nobody has a problem with. Rick Ross, I don't know if you heard about this, but Rick Ross has said basically a million things about killing and drug dealing and all that stuff. Well, this guy mentioned date raping in one of his songs and they went bananas, it literally, made him delete the record completely. Everybody's um, protesting. Rick Ross has got to go X, Y, and Z, right? This is a few years ago. Well, so there was nothing wrong with Rick Ross talking about killing other black people. There was nothing about him talking about murder or anything of that nature. But when it comes to date raping, now we have an issue, right? So let's just pay attention to how we selectively-
0: Where we draw that line.
1: Yes, it's fine for black guys to kill each other because. You know, let's keep pumping that in. They believe it, right? But if you talk about date rape, now we got to draw a line. So just the hypocrisy of this whole space is being brought to the surface.
0: I feel and like Eminem has said some shit that is is definitely sure. in that camp, and I, and I think I could still go. We could play it right now. Yep, it's no, not
1: for sure, for sure, man. Um, so going back to the Black Lives Matter, I want to make a distinction. Most people, self-included, are not a part of the Black Lives Matter movement that is being funded by George Soros and the Democrats and X, Y, and Z, which is this super conspiracy and also super disrespectful, right? So just, uh, it's, it's a form of microaggressive racism to think that some Jewish dude named George Soros is running my life and paying me to, to protest. No, people are protesting, not because of George Floyd, but because of the 450 years that our request, our white flags are turning the other cheek has been dismissed. The dude stood over Ahmaud Arbery. Now let's go back to that just for a second. For sure. This came out, he said it himself, the, the, um, the other guy who was filming it. He said that the McMichaels dude stood over his body and said, fucking nigger, right? Nobody is even talking about that. He hunted that young black kid, right? They made the whole thing, oh, he was looking in the house. Well, the video came out of a bunch of people looking in the house. The house was empty, and it was white people who looked in the house, and little kids who looked in the house, and Amon Arbery looked in the house. They hunted him because they wanted to kill him because he was black, and these dudes were known racists. So for us to pretend like right? Trayvon Martin walking in his own neighborhood, George Zimmerman. Now this speaker who sits with the Confederate flag and is known as this hero. Bro, get out of here with that bullshit. Like we are in pain and we're fed up. And the beautiful thing about being fed up is that some white people began to see what we're talking about. And that's the only time that change and transformation happens is when we do it together. Martin Luther King was getting his ass handed to him until he called on the clergy and said, if you are a Christian, meet us on this bridge. And all the white clergy came out. And instead of beating the dog crap out of them, they saw white people and did not beat them. And that's when the movement Selma and everything shifted and changed. So you don't tell me that this isn't a big deal, right? This is our opportunity as a people, general people, not just black people, not just white people, as, a, as, as humanity to say enough is enough, right? We turn our backs when they when, when the US bombs little kids. We turn our backs when they put Mexican kids in cages. We turn our backs on all kinds of stuff. And the time is now for all of us to step forward, to step up, to lean in and keep our hearts open. And that to me is what's happening right now. And that's why I'm so grateful for you and the many others who are stepping forward.
0: That's amazing, thank you. Wow. Um, yeah, you had me at hello there. Like that was <laughs> goosebumps, i on fire right now. So <laughs> give, give me a second to gather. that's the work right Mm -hmm. now. Um, and it, it happens by everyone just doing a little bit of their part and not thinking about the immensity of what what we're trying to change. It's just like, what can I do today? And I don't know if you're familiar with, there's a community organizer up in Chicago. His name is Jamal, Jamal Cole. Mm -hmm. He's doing some just incredible work. Um, He he used to work with, I used to work with him back in Chicago and he's gone on to do some just uh, like, you know, Obama foundation sites. And he's always up speaking when the governor or the mayor uh, is there, but he, he says, and I might not get the statement right, but it's something to the effect of what's something simple I can do right now for my neighborhood. Mm. And it's just that, like, just what's a step I can take in the right direction to keep this movement moving in that right direction and don't feel like you said, like, like, I have to carry it. I need to be a participant. I need to hold space for it. And I need to be and as you said, like, represent what I believe in. And you're going to ruffle some feathers. And so actually that brings to mind you know, I had a couple of newsletters in a row that one had, um, actually both had anti-racist in the title. And one was, uh, you know, a big shout out to Ibram X. Kendi and his work and how that's inspired me. And, um, I got some pushback from some friends and they were saying, I was being super negative. And now by and large people were, that's not the response I got. Um, but, A friend of mine brought up an interesting point, and I'm curious what you think about this. Um, Because I think using the word racist and anti-racist, like, it does something to people. Mm -hmm. And for those people, it's information. Okay, where am I not free with this? Where am I still having a charge? And I wonder if there's, you know, my friend said, what if you use the word prejudice? Because that's a little softer. And maybe those people that have the major resistance because... That racist, those racist, tent, no one wants to be called the racist. And then when it comes, even if you're talking about anti-racism, it hits a charge, and I'm just like, okay, I I know where you're coming from. Um, so I'm curious, is that just softening it too much? Is that putting kid gloves, or is it actually would that be useful in some cases? And I feel like it is, like to use the word prejudice, because that takes the charge out of. It's almost like finger pointing again. Like no one wants to be called a racist, and so it just shuts off shuts them down. And so you have thoughts around that? Have you considered that at all? Uh, I have. I'm not a fan of anti-words.
1: However, um, words, you know, we're linguistic beings. So we build worlds with our language. Um, If I didn't have the language of door and doorknob, me trying to get out of this room would be pretty challenging. Um, and so the moment I have that distinction, I, I now have choice. And so I, I'm not mad at the word because it's very confrontive. And I think that there is a space for that. I think that, you know, if the moment these things come right in somebody's backyard, now they have an issue. Yeah. And I think it, for a lot of people who happen to be white presenting, it's getting closer and closer to their backyard. And, and so now it's like, oh, the looters and, the, and everything's a looter, right? The rioters. Meanwhile, there's thousands of, I mean, thousands of peaceful protests happening, but it all gets swept into this looters rioters thing. Um, and the statues, we gotta save the statues. And like, okay, well, that's interesting. Interesting thing to look at. Um, I am pro-humanity. I'm, I'm calling on everybody's humanity and, and one of the best ways to look at it for me um, and you've obviously had this experience is, is once I had kids it gave me instant purpose and it automatically helped me see that everybody is somebody's baby and so if I view the world through that lens um, that somebody st- would, you know, patted this little baby's back as they burped all over him and threw up all over him and farted all over him, and you know, was up at three in the morning trying to get this baby back to sleep, and now this baby has turned into a thirty-five-year-old, you know, white man who believes he's better than everybody else. Uh, finding compassion inside of that, right, pro-humanity, is important, and. And, and I, I think I need to say this and this may trigger a few people. <laughs> yes, <of> nature, please. <laughs> all of nature is violent. Everything, you know, everything's hunting. And um, I've, horses fight, ants fight, trees in the jungle, fight for the sun. Ah. Um, everything on the planet has a, a, a level of violence to it. And, I think what's happening is chickens are coming home to roost and people are grasping for some semblance of control because it's too close to their backyards, right? Nobody cares about the fires in Australia unless you're really in Australia, right? Or you have some land there, some you own some property. Now you want everybody to show up, right? But if you don't own any property there, you know, us bombing Yemen or, or wherever, it doesn't matter to you because you don't have any connection to those little kids that are dying on the streets because the US needs some oil or, or the, you know whatever the case may be. And so to me, I am excited by all of this. I think it's beautiful. And I, I'm, there's so much gold in the triggers. There's so much magic that comes forth when one is at their edge and having to face off with, with a direct mirror, right? Um, I, the algorithm does this, but it's also just being filmed more and um, not to get political, but uh, our current president is a very divisive human being. And some of his followers have taken this sort of like wink of him retweeting the person saying white power, um, as a license to kill and say nigger and um, attack people. And there's every day there's hundreds of videos that are coming out of people, white men and women, uh, following young 15-year-old black kids through their own neighborhood, pulling out guns in the parking lot, doing all kinds of stuff. And um, some will say, well, that's the media trying to divide us. No, we've been divided, hear me. You just haven't had to actually pay attention to it because you're white, right? It's like Louisiana. Louisiana is awesome if you're white, but you go there in a different skin suit, you have a different experience, right? I went to college there. I went into Tiger Bar and all those things and guess what they did? They called me a faggot. They called me a nigger. They followed me. They threatened me a lot, so would you? You didn't have that experience at Louisiana State University. Why? Because you're white. So is, is Louisiana great just like all the other states in the U.S.? Yes and no. But going back to those of you who believe in Jesus, he said, what you do to the least you also do to me. And so there's a reckoning. I'll leave it at that.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you and I feel like we have to go through that, that birth, that pain. Um, I forget The woman's name, Valerie Kaur, I believe she has, right? She had that famous New Year's Eve speech. And I'll try to link to it in the show notes if I can remember. If I listen to this podcast, I will uh, before it comes out. But she talks about, this was not right now, but it's so applicable. What if the darkness we feel is not a tomb but it's a womb and it's a womb for a rebirth. I mean, f- right. I mean, I just saying that I gave myself goosebumps. I don't usually do that, yes. <laughs> but it's so, it's so beautiful. Um, mm, and mm. I think we, it, it birth is you've, you've, you've been at a few births. It's messy, but mm. it's beautiful. Yes. And um, can we hold both of those things at once? And that, that's, really the work in in all things, it's, it's, it all needs to exist and without getting too philosophical, but there has to be, you know, the, the, the darkness for there to be light. And, you know, I've even thought about this, hope this doesn't get too esoteric, but just like, you know, this idea that we're trying to become more aware and enlightened and whatever, whatever that means. And it, it occurred to me, like, imagine, and I don't think it's possible, but like, I just became like enlightened, whatever that means, then what then that's normal then i there there's not then so what's the sense? We need the contrast to appreciate mm-hmm. and it's sometimes it's super painful, and I'm yes. not trying to um to downplay that for anyone who's feeling pain right now like. But it, there's also a gift in there somewhere if we choose to not tell ourselves the victim story. And again, if you've been a victim of a crime, like I'm not saying that, and I it's I feel silly to even have to qualify everything I say here. But um, well,
1: uh, I'd love to just help with that because there's a big difference between being a victim and holding victim consciousness. Thank you. Right? Black people have many people, not just black people, everybody has been a victim to something or someone at some point in their life. Well, um, if I carry that with me everywhere I go as an excuse as to why I can't, as to why it's X, Y, and Z, then I am holding victim consciousness. My paradigm is one of victim consciousness. And some people have that experience. Most people, especially I'll speak for the black community, don't. Um, Which is why, like for instance, you know, I have two hundred and thirty-two thousand people following me, and I've had some of some of those followers say, "Well, why haven't you said any of this stuff a year ago?" And I'm like, "Well, I do. I slide it in there here and there." Um, However, I was also aware that most of the people who follow me are white and have somewhat of a fragile uh, understanding of the planet because that's it is what it is, and instead of sharing some of the pains and the wounds and things that I've been through as it pertains to just being an Afro amazing man, I have decided to go on offense to go on offense and educate and inspire and uplift in such a way that you stop doing that to other people and you become clear of your own biases and things that show up so that not just for me, but for the next black kid and the next black kid and the next black kid that you may run into, that you have a different experience because you know a guy named Preston Smiles. So it's a very interesting thing, right? So people are like, whoa, I didn't know that, I didn't know that, I didn't know that. Well, yeah
0: yeah so now that you're you know obviously been sharing so much more of that in the last couple of months, how's the overall reception be? by the way, you're gonna pick up a few followers from my my fan base after this, so you can add to that total. <laughs>
1: Awesome, man. Yeah, it's been, it's been amazing and interesting and triggering. I have some friends texting me like, bro, just thank you for going where you're going. It's actually really brave of you. A lot, a lot of influencers, and I'm doing quotes here, yep. hid. They hid out, they, they put a black square up once and they didn't say a damn thing. And there's a lot of people who preach bravery and courageousness. And when Ish hit the fan, they hid and they got pressured from you know, I know quite a few, and you probably know some of those names too, that got comments from everybody, whites, blacks, everybody like, yo, where you at? You know, you want to, yeah. there's, there's some people in the space who benefit from black culture, who, uh, ah. appro- appropriate black culture and do their hip hop dances and things like that. But when black people are going through it, they have nothing to say. And so cream and steam rises to the top and- for me, I have no choice. I have children. I have children. And I want to be able to say to, the, to my kids, I, Daddy stood all the way up. Daddy took arrows. He did whatever he needed to do for you and your kids and their kids. Right? This is go, going back to being on the wrong side of history. Uh, there is no possible way. And everybody has their part. Am I a street soldier? Am I the person that's going to be protesting in the front? Nope. Nope. I'm, I'm 40 years old. No, not this time, but what I will do and what I have done is spent thousands of dollars behind the scenes helping people who do that. What I have done is invested money into black businesses. What I have done is sent money to Africa to build clean water wells over the last six years. What I have done is helped everybody in my circle, white, black, Mexican, whatever you want to call it, included, raise their vibration and their consciousness in such a way that they can see hmm, the truth of us, which is love is all there is, was, and ever will be. And there is an effect to that cause. Every cause has an effect. And so when somebody is operating from true abundance, not abundance based on what's in their bank account, not abundance based on getting a compliment, not abundance based on the car they drive, but the abundance of knowing that there is no opposite to life, that God love is all there is. And they, in this now moment, are safe, approve of themselves and can control what they can control. Yo, that's all needs met. When, when a person is operating from all needs met, they are dangerous in the best way possible. They, are, they infect other people. Energetically, when we are in our power, we are threefold beings, body, mind, and soul. When all three are aligned, we're like an arrow pulled back, ready to mm, penetrate and pierce the BS paradigms and wounds that have us believing anything otherwise.
0: Mm. Okay, I got a bunch coming up right now. (laughs) All right. We got sidetracked. I want to just quickly land on the Black Lives Matter and the leadership there. Yeah. But I want to get to, I want to talk about the Candace Owens post because I think that's very appropriate. As we're, yep. we're going, kind of going deeper into this, and I also, am, am, I'm not going to throw all. If we forget what the question is, but um, also want to get your thoughts around when someone, a white person, says something online that um, none of their black followers or whatever say anything about, but then a bunch of white people. Pile on! I want, I want you to talk to that because it happened to a very good friend of mine who was just talking mm-hmm. about people getting out there and breathing and mm-hmm. that there's a lot of stuff going on. He was a little bit conspiracy, but it all was true, it felt like. But he's like, our breath and, you know, don't breathe and I can't breathe and the mask. And he goes, it's all, he goes, I was in the military. This yeah. is what they do when you get behind enemy lines and you get captured. Yeah. And he got... Piled on by a bunch of white people, and yeah. I think one of his black friends reached out who had an issue and they talked about it. Where none of his white friends did any of that, and mm-hmm. most of his black friends were in support of what he said because it was came from the heart.
2: So, yeah.
0: in, in any way that you want, I know I threw a lot at you there. So, I'll go back to it, right? Yeah, Black Lives Matter, yeah,
1: but I'm going to start with that. Yep. So, um, Cal, you, you, you. We're in an ice bath earlier today Yep. and you also, looks like you lift weights and you take care of your body. Mm-hmm. So you've built a body that can hold some of the things that you put to the test, right? I have done ice bath, one, and I had not built the somatic body I've to got, hold that.
0: Don't worry folks, I've got footage. We're gonna play that later. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, Oftentimes,
1: and I wanna say this carefully, but black people have been through so much that their levels of compassion, right? There's a reason why the word white fragility is a word, why it's a statement. Black people have been through so, like just imagine if you thought your kid, like what if you had to have a talk with your, you have a son? Yeah, I have two boys. So, so I got the talk at about eight years old. Every black boy gets the talk especially boy, baby, there are some people in the world who not because of your character, not because of who you are as a person, but because of your skin color are gonna fear you, they're gonna hate you and they may wanna harm you. So what I want you to know is that mommy and daddy love you and that if you ever feel threatened, just come get us. Okay, so like that, imagine, like having that happen at eight. And then it coming true, like it's a thing, right? Which is, it's a thing.
0: It's it's hard enough to have a conversation about sex with my 17 year old and we have a great relationship. So like just to give people context, think about that conversation Mm -hmm. with your boys and how that challenging that is. And then, yeah, thank you.
1: So uh, to your friend, a lot of times what, why in my opinion, uh, his black friend came to his rest, his side, is because his black friend's been through so much and doesn't talk about it, right? Like having black people change their hair or not getting jobs because their name is Jamal, and if their name was, you know, Jason, they may get twelve more callbacks or interviews and things like that. People know this. Black people know it. The most educated person in the United States of America is a black woman, and yet they do not have, they're not paid the same. They die more in the hospitals because hospitals and doctors don't believe them um and so there's just a somatic body there's a context and a consciousness that black people have because we've been dealing with it since the gate like since we had a conscious real understanding of the world we have to have these kind of talks so that's one number two uh black lives matter does have some front facing leadership, but for the most part, not. And I want you to ask yourself this, the Black Panther Party was educating, empowering black people and men to arm themselves, take care of their women, take care of each other, take care of their health. And it is documented that the US government set them up, put them in jail, killed some of them, and allowed other white supremacists to hurt them. They took. They cut the head off the snake. Uh,
0: Martin well, Luther the, King. The 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 case of Fred Hampton is it's yes. it's we it, it, I forget what year it was in the sixties, but he he and another member were literally murdered by yep. the. It was in Chicago, and I forget exactly who. It, it was all approved, like yes. to murder these men. Yep. Yep. Um,
1: and, and then we just brush over that, like it's not a thing. Like that's a thing that has happened. And so you get where I'm going. Malcolm X, Martin Luther King. And even if it was at the hands of other black people who sponsored it, who took care of it, who made sure it happened, who turned their back. Police were at every other Malcolm X um, thing in full presence inside the room. But somehow the day that four men have guns and they're gonna kill Malcolm X, the police are eight blocks away. And then they allow a dance party to happen on that scene four hours later after. Get out of here with that. It's a setup. So, if you ask yourself why Black Lives Matter doesn't have some one centralized leader, it's because we know what happens when you guys, or I won't say you guys, when the United States government understands what we're up to. Black Wall Street, the Tulsa burning mass graves. Black Wall Street, for those of you who do not know, was a time in the 1920s where Black people had grocery stores, banks, uh, like everything. And it was all in the Black community, just like the Jewish community does, just like the Korean community does. And the whites of that town decided that the Blacks had too much power. And so they burned everything they owned and then killed all of them and put them in mass graves. Now just hear that, because that's some of your ancestors, that's some of your cousins, great-great-great-grandfathers, great 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 -great cousins. This is the 1920s. This isn't that far away. That happened, and there's many things like that have have happened. So you ask yourself, why don't black people get on their own feet? Every time we do, they shoot a McDonald's into our neighborhood, they put a liquor store in there, they make sure that we have food deserts. Look it up, food deserts. Where there's no actual healthy food, so you keep people docile or aggressive. There's a million tactics to depopulate, starting with black people. Okay, so there's that. Now going to the Candace Owens thing.
0: By the way, uh, my my wife had actually said that to me. I was like, I don't know, like you know, where who the she's like, would would you? I mean, think about it, like they, and I'm like, yeah, I, but I don't know, like what about like Barack Obama or like someone. Yeah. Yeah, but, but yeah. So there again, sometimes I just gotta trust my wife that her instincts are right.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Still working on that. B- Barack was not kicking up dust like what's happening right now, right? Barack was just a part of the system that stays, and that's what I'm gonna talk about with Candace Owens. Um, in slavery time, they had something called. Uh,
0: so the the, the give, give a little context and, and were, for uh what her post was on Facebook, yeah. just so people understand so Candace
1: Owens put out a video on Facebook and YouTube that had seventy nine million views on it, and the overwhelming majority of those views were from white people sending them to their black friends or saying, "See all of this is a hoax now uh, now context um, in the time of slavery the masters which were never masters these were weak insecure white men would go and rape the women who were married to a man they would rape that woman oftentimes in the other room where the man could hear his wife being raped and then that woman would get pregnant and the master quotes here would then have a mixed race child. And that child often or the slaves that were so beaten and broken on the inside that they would never leave became what they call house Negroes where they got the scraps and then the other Negroes got the scraps of the scraps. So the house Negro was a little better off than the other slaves. And so what the house Negro would do because of that is the house Negro would tell on the slaves because there's something that you cannot steal or rob from somebody, even if you have chains on them. And that is their their true sovereignty, their hope, right? The music, the food that we list, that we we eat. This came from from a spirit of some of the strongest people on our planet. the slaves would often have these rebellions or plan on leaving. And the house Negro would tell the master and therefore get extra credit and not get beaten. And Candace Owens, for me, is a version of that. She is puppeting a uh, narrative that has white people in particular confused enough because they use this black person, right? If, if Cal, if you made the same video she made, that would not have 79 million views on it. It had 79 million views because all the white people got to say, see, she says that George Floyd was high on fentanyl. She also says for 16 seconds, and then this is an 18 minute video, oh, he didn't deserve to die, it was wrong, but. This guy was a criminal. This guy was high on fentanyl. Oh, was there a bag of cocaine that dropped? Oh, 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 and all of this stuff. And she begins to paint this whole picture of how George Floyd is our martyr and X, Y, and Z, and not even true at all, nope. right? So she skips over purposely that this is not new, that people got on the streets the two days after Ahmaud Arbery video came out, she skips over that Ferguson, that Trayvon Martin, that Tamir Rice, that Breonna Taylor who was killed by the police in her own home sleeping as an essential worker. She skips over all of that to hmm, use her language as a weapon to puppet what her masters want her to puppet. This woman is paid by the Republican Party. There are four black People who are used as a weapon, not towards black people, because black people know bullshit. They use it to keep white people asleep and complacent. They use it as a as a weapon to say, let's make America great again. Which aka let's make it white again. They use these people as a way to dismiss as if we were dismissing, you know, and, and here's the issue as well with, with Me Too movement. They made it about Harvey Weinstein Mm -hmm. and um, what's his name? Bill Cosby, This is bigger than that. The Me Too movement is bigger than that. And the Black Lives Actually Matter movement is bigger than that. This is about humanity. And the the quote unquote powers that be do not want us to wake up to who we really are. And so instead they will deploy their black puppets and house Negroes in order to keep white people sleep and complacent. So that's my truth. Everybody else can have whatever they want. And there's a lot of things she lied about or, um, and I know you know this, Kyle, and I know your listeners know this, but I wanna remind you guys that you can skew and make statistics lie. You can take studies, right? Coca-Cola will pay doctors to say, oh, there's not enough conclusive evidence to say that drinking soda every day is harming people. Well, we know it is. Well, they'll they'll create a company and then have that company do the study and they'll use the study and throw doctors into CNN and anything else in order to prove it. Whenever Fox or CNN or anybody wants to prove something, they'll roll out their Muslim and say, see, this Muslim says that the Muslim religion is bad. So you white people over there on your couch who believe only what's happening here on Fox, believe that because we got a Muslim. That is what's happening with Candace Owens and the four other puppets that are showing up in this space. Yeah, and only take,
0: it only takes one for, for for people to latch on to look, see. You know, I, I love that you brought up the idea of statistics. This is something that I've been kind of railing a, a, around amongst my friends. I'm like, don't come at me with statistics like that. Like whenever someone tries to do that, I know they have no fucking argument about anything it's like no. how do you how do you because what it what it comes down to is how do you really feel now you're gonna make as you said you can, there's something to prove your point any statistic you want and people will cherry. and i got so much of that when i was had a little bit of an you know one of my buddies uh had took issue with with what i was putting out there And all he could do is come at me with statistics. And it's like, we had a black president and they didn't do anything. And there's a black mayor here and a black governor. I go, are you fucking, are we living in the same world? Seriously? What is going on? And so I, I want to throw that out to everyone listening. If someone comes at you with statistics or if you're using statistics Mm -hmm. yourself, stop. like sit with that. What do we, how do you really feel about this thing? And does it really require statistics? Why do you need to be right? Mm-hmm. Can you just share how you feel and let it be that and like what your experience is with whatever it is, whether it's the virus, racism, the financial situation, whatever it is, can you just speak to that? Do we have the courage to talk mm-hmm. about that without having to be right? We always have to be right. We're taught that from a young age. School, answers, not questions, and, I'm, and I won't apologize for bringing that up because it's been a, a recent rant of mine. Like the school system, for lack of a better term, is fucked. And I don't mean like the people working in it, all that, everyone's doing the best they can, but mm-hmm. we do not value inquiry. These kids are not taught the value of a question and to sit in that question and to mm-hmm. be curious. And, yeah. you know, it's funny, this brings to mind as I was getting ready to sit down with you today you know, I had a bunch of notes and, and everything. And um, I just, I, I realized that one, and again, this is something that came up for me recently is I just need to show up as me and be curious and just connect because I can do that as well as anyone and just be in your energy and stop with the notes. And if there's something I really want to remember, because we're going to go off on tangents, absolutely. But not about that. It's like, how can I be an example to be curious, to not know, to ask the questions and to be able to hold the inquiry and again, not have to be in it. I don't, you and I aren't in this situation where one of us has to be right or wrong, but when I am in that situation, can I just sit in the discomfort of them maybe not thinking that I'm right? Do I have to go down that road? What is that proving? What is in is back that outside in that you were talking about? Why do I need that validation? What is wrong with me that I'm seeking that validation? And you and I both know that it gets really close to feeling like it's the thing. It's like it's almost there and then it's gone and then you've got to go back out. And you've got to harvest more of that validation and you will do anything possible to get it. And if you can be aligned, as you said, body mind, soul, Mm -hmm. and just show up as you, and show up as whatever is true to you, and ruffle some feathers, and my wife and I, um, we started like a little mini podcast that's up on YouTube, we did like 15 episodes, and there was one thing in particular that she was trying to share, and you actually spoke about it today, but that whole victim consciousness, and she was Mm -hmm. trying to articulate it, and she didn't do as good a job as she wanted to, and so I ended up, after much pushing and you know push back i took it down because mm-hmm. it just was going to trigger some people and, and i didn't think she said anything wrong but i understood where she was coming from now she also said well there's a you know there's this other thing i said in this other episode that i don't feel that good about And i said well we're gonna have to be okay with that because at some yes. point you're not gonna say a goddamn thing and wh- what's the point what's the point of saying anything if you don't and it's not to say shit to ruffle feathers for the sake of it but like what feels true to you and can you say that with courage because you know you're going to get pushed back and again can you just allow it to sit out there and not be resolved in the way that we feel like we have to resolve stuff like to be, if i'm if i'm in like my truth I can let it be unresolved. I can just be accepting of whatever is. It doesn't have to have a tidy little bow on it, and that's a part of the the kind of unlearning that that I'm really trying to sit with right now. Which, I mean, you're bringing up so much of this stuff that's here for me right now. So I'm grateful for that.
1: It's huge, man. It's absolutely huge. Um, one of my uh, favorite. One of my favorite and best distinctions that I sit with all the time is to get my um, questions answered and then my answers questioned. Most people just stop at the first one. They type something in Google, whatever shows up, they type something in Google, AKA the mind, um, not understanding that the mind consists of um, our social and historical programming. So what your mom and dad and their mom and dad and their mom and dad believed about money being the root of all evil or rich people being X, Y, and Z, or Asians being blank or women being X, Y, and Z, all of that has an effect on the personality that you think is you, right? And so oftentimes what I'll do is I'll say, okay, Google, God, mind, what about blank? And then the first answer will show up. And instead of just taking that at surface value, which is what you're asking your friends and people to do, I will go one step deeper and go, okay, well, is that true? Is that really my truth? Does that when I sit with that in my heart, right? Because a lot of people, and I'm going to say this, and this may trigger a few people, I don't believe God stopped speaking in a book. That's why I said. That's why I said the Bible is not my is law for me. I don't think God was like, oh, I'm done. Just going to give you one book, and I'm done.
0: Wrap so, it up. You know? <laughs> I had all I, all I had to say. <laughs> no. <laughs> nice. Not even close, right? So
1: for nice. me, I think that God is always speaking in all ways. Um, the question is, are we available to hear it? And oftentimes what gets in the way of that is thinking that we know. I say it all the time. If I think I know my wife in that moment, our relationship is over. Absolutely over because there's no space for her. If I think I know her, then there's no room for her to grow, for her to unfold, for her to surprise me, for her to be curious, for her to like, do I even know me? Let alone thinking I know her. Right, so the moment, and that's what we do as humans. We try to box people in and put them in these little labels and compartmentalize them, so we can understand them, so we can control them, and,
0: and we yet- can serve energy too. Right? Yes. We can't sit yep. in that inquiry. Yes, I love that you so- brought up your wife with that too, because that's that's it. Mm-hmm. Can we just allow them to be whoever and whatever, and can we just be into that mystery of how is she going to show up today, and how am I going to show up because? Do we, Like you said, do we even know ourselves? <laughs> Fuck no. We change all the time if we allow. Yep, yep. Even if we don't think we are,
1: we are. You know, people come to me they're like, I'm stuck. No, you're not. <laughs> Ain't 10 reasons why you aren't. Wait, what, what? Tell me 10 reasons why you aren't stuck. Wait, I just told you I was stuck. I know. Tell me 10 reasons why you aren't. Well, I guess, you know, I am growing. Okay, fantastic. You've already disproven the stupid statement that you just brought to me. My coaching is brutal, by the way. So I love it. I just, I just annihilate people's egos. I love
0: it. Yeah. All right. You're short yeah, on, man. you're short on time. I got through about 3% of what I wanted to. So this is amazing. We will throw I'm I have two last questions, um, that I'm going to ask you maybe more, but we'll make it real quick. But when you get to Austin, we're going to sit down in person we got yes. so much to do together. But, um, Preston Smiles, the name, where'd that come from? Ah, yes. So, um. Because I asked Preston before, I said, is that really? Because he's like, your first name's coming up with something. different. Was like, yeah, everybody calls me Cal, Cal Callahan. I'm like, what about you, man? Preston Smiles, is that your real last name?
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so, I went to Louisiana State University, and I was in the theater department getting my master's degree in 2005. That's how long ago, how old I am. Um, Dude, and, I'm
0: 48, so don't even give me that.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you though, bro. I'm right there <laughs> with you. Um, and um, like I said, there's two different Louisianas and black people know this, uh, a lot of white people don't. And so uh, there was a janitor named Miss Evans who would uh, be in the hallways cleaning things up and all the kids would like throw their cigarettes in front of her and just kind of treat her like she didn't exist. And knowing that I have a black mother and a black grandmother. And, and I understand that this woman is cleaning toilets for these little bratty white kids who think that she's some kind of like side thing or she's not worthy. I decided to double down because at first I was trying to police them. Yep. I'm like, yo, what was what that bro? Like it's a human, right? And it became this thing where I'm like, you know what? I'm not even gonna say anything to them. I'm gonna double down on my love for her. Mm. And so every um, Monday, Tuesday and Thursday, I would have class at 7 a.m. in a particular building where she would be cleaning up. And so what I would do is, Louisiana's hot, I'd bring an extra bottle of water and an extra granola bar. So I bring one for me, one for her. And she'd take her break and we'd sit down and she'd tell me about life and her kids and all the things and Miss Evans and I just got to know each other. And one day, months later, I'm running down the hall and I'm like laughing and have a skateboard in my hand or something. And she says, boy, you always run around here smiling. I'm gonna call you Preston Smiles with your happy self. And literally in that moment, you know how you just have a snapshot of something you're like, hell yeah. And I heard it and I was like, oh, you crazy Miss Evans, I love you, I'll see you later. And I just, whew, back down the hall, right? Well, I moved to LA um, a few years later and um, I was really sitting with like, what is Davis? Well, Davis is a slave name. Would my name be Davis? No, it would not. My name would be something from Nigeria, something from Senegal, right? Which is where some of my blood comes from. And so I said, okay, Shakespeare says, what's in a name? Right? Um, And so I started to think about, well, what do I want my name to be? What do I wanna choose to be called? And bingo, you always running around here smiling. I'm gonna call you Preston Smiles with your happy self. And so in that moment, Preston Smiles was born and I got to choose who I was and reconfigure from this identity of Preston Davis, who was placed in special education, who was the black sheep and thought to be stupid and all of the things that I thought about myself, I got to choose a new identity that was closer to the essence of who I am. And so that's where that name comes from.
0: Uh, I'm so glad we waited to share that on on the mic here. Mm -hmm. So before I um, play the clip of your ice bath attempt, (laughs) I do mean it. When you come here, I'm going to coach you through that. I think the guy who was with you, he did an amazing job. I think there's a few little tweaks that I would do to be able to hold you there and you'll be fine. Okay. He didn't even
1: tell me going in though. He just said, Oh yeah, you got to breathe. Like, what? Okay. Well, what what kind of breathing am I supposed to be doing here, bro? Like, I've never done this. I am of African descent and you're putting me in 30, like what was it,
0: 46 degree water. Nope. You're like, um, by my very nature, I'm going to breathe, but it's not going to be proper.
2: Yeah, yep. yeah for sure. Yep.
0: Exactly. We'll give you a little coaching for that. But I did again, I mentioned your wife earlier and I think we're both, The little I know about your wife, I do know my wife, and they're both just strong women. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm excited to get to know more about her and her work. Um, And my wife has been on here before. We talk mostly about our relationship, but I want to bring her on to talk about the work she's doing with women and teen girls. Mm -hmm. And then when you all get here to really kind of commune together and and share each other's medicine. But without further ado, my my man's (laughs) attempt... Love it,
2: so earnest. The timer, as soon as your toe hits that water, I want you to commit to at least three minutes. But I think you're good for five. There it goes. Press and smiles, ladies and gentlemen. oh it's. Does that feel just like hot lava? Yes. Sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Okay, now get your toes above. Toes above. Son Yes, yes, bitch. Toes above. Okay, butt, butt all the way down. Butt all the way is down. Okay. <laughs> Okay, now remember that breathing I t- told you about. There you go. Yeah. yeah. It's 20 seconds in It's only going to hurt this, for 40 more seconds. This hurts a little bit, for sure. <laughs> Relax your arms. Stop trying to hold yourself up there, because okay. uh, the tension will, will, will hurt you. Whoa. You're doing great, man. You're doing great. <laughs> I don't know, bro. I don't know. Right, come on, not know, bro. Come on, bro. You're, come on. You get past that first minute. You're almost there. You're almost there. Get that get, butt still in the water. Get past that first minute. Keep your toes out. Keep your toes out. Do the breathing, man. Stop. Focus and breathe. Focus and breathe. Yo, I Bro, you're so close. You're so close. You're so close. You're so close. Oh, come on, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. All right. All right. Put on that big fluffy towel. Put on that big fluffy towel. You okay? You okay? Oh, shit. Oh, man. You all right? You all right, bro? Shit. Move those legs. Move those legs. Oh, man. Okay. That was intense. Okay. The the upside is we got an epic ice bath fail video.
0: (laughs) I mean, what finer note to leave on, right? Like, we still all have our work to do. Yep.
1: Yep. Yep. You know what's interesting about that though, Cal, um, is to the guy in me, right, which is still also the little innocent little boy who loves competition, Mm -hmm. was like, ah, I failed. But when I got back home, and this is why I posted it, and I said epic uh, ice bath fail, but it wasn't. Right? I got in some cold water and sat there for about maybe 40 seconds, which is 40 seconds longer than I previously believed I could. And it's the same thing, right? So like I, I um, at 33, I was living with my mom and I had never made more than $60,000 and I didn't know if I could but there was a part of me that still had hope. And I jumped in and I took the money that I had been spending on rent and put it on coaching and, and had somebody hold a mirror up for me. And that year I made 150. Now that wasn't 3 million, but it was 150. Well, the next year I made 300. The next year I made six. The next year I made 1 million. And I haven't stopped. The point of that for me, while that video is funny as hell, it's the same principle. And it's why I personally believe I keep winning in life. It's because whatever happens, I'm still in the game. A lot of people sit on the sidelines and talk about and get ready to get ready. Meanwhile, I'm in the game, right? A lot of people have a book they've been talking about for years. They have a program they've been talking about for years. They have a trip they've been talking about taking for years. I've traveled the whole damn world. I've created not just myself as a millionaire, but I've helped many, many people, hundreds of people break through some of the deepest traumas and things of their lives. And I didn't get there overnight. It's been a process. And so I'm humble enough to know that I don't know everything. But if I just keep hanging around, because the seed contains the blueprint for the entire tree, the distinction and the difference between a tree that grows a thousand feet in the air and a tree that grows three feet in the air and shrivels up and die is not the seed, but the soil that it's planted in. Mm. And so as long as I keep putting myself with people like yourself, like Mr. Craig, who was in that video, who challenged me, who pushed me forward, I'm going to keep growing. There are 10 million things that I do right now that most of the planet could never hold. Anybody who's in my camp is like, bro, how do you do that? One kid is already a lot, three kids, three businesses, a wife, two pandemics, and you are thriving, making more money than you ever have, giving more money than you ever have, supporting people, holding space for your family, your kids, yourself, smiling through the whole thing. I've built a body that can hold that, what I haven't built a body for is to hold three minutes in that water. And I look forward to that when I get to Austin with you.
0: Now that's a finish right there. My man. I, I I can't wait. Can you just move here right now so we can just start this thing? I can't wait, but I, I know all 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 things have their own time and space. And so I'll just honor that. Mm-hmm. Now, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you, do you get your work? I mean, I know you've got all these different just in whatever way you feel called.
1: Yeah, at Preston Smiles, um, on anything, really. Instagram and YouTube are my, the main areas I play in. Um, and yeah, like you mentioned, and we can talk about it another time. I, I also help men. I have a, a program called Man Cave and another one called Man Cave Junior that's coming out for uh, 13 to 17-year-old boys as a rites of passage that we're uh, gonna be launching this year. Um, And then there's something called Man Cave Elite, which is behind the scenes. It's invite only and it's amazing. There's 15 guys in that right now. And we are, I mean, winning at levels you couldn't even believe. Um, And so all of that's happening and it's in service of knowing that at the front of some of the pain that we feel the most, it's coming from men. And men commit suicide more than women. And men have had these super ridiculous ideas about who they need to be and what's true and what's not. And porn addiction, sex trafficking, and pedophilia, and all these things are connected to men. And so uh, I'm just doing my part to help heal that and take it to a whole nother level.
0: Well, I can't wait, um, like I said, for you to get here because that's that's the work that I'm doing and intending on you know going deeper into. So I know that just. Being in community with you is going to up level that and it's going to help me create space for a lot more men to, to get into that healing and myself included. So thank you yeah. and love you, brother. I cannot wait for y'all to get here. Thanks for spending today with us. And, sure. Uh, this is amazing. Yeah, man. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. All right. Thanks, bro. You love. You've been listening to The Great Unlearn. For more information, please check out the show notes or Head on over to thegreatunlearn.com for additional episodes and information regarding events and retreats. If you liked what you heard today, click subscribe and share this with friends that might enjoy our platform. Please leave a five-star rating in iTunes as this really helps us spread our message. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at bunkercal and on Facebook as John Callahan. Thanks for listening to The Great Unlearn, and we'll talk soon.